Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. What is a franchise exactly? And like April said, we'd like to define these things just to make sure we're all on the same page so that we can all be talking from the same playbook as we go through this podcast. And a franchise is a license right granted by a company to an individual or group that allows them to market and sell that company's products and services under their brand. So sometimes examples help with this, and we're going to have a ton of examples. But just to kind of like set this up, as we begin, think about like a lot of the restaurant chains. A lot of the restaurant chains are franchises. A lot of gyms are franchises. Um, I used to work on Tide, as everybody knows, and we had Tide Dry Cleaners. Tide Dry Cleaners are franchises. So that helps give you a little bit of a context for what a franchise is. Yep. And one final and very important thing before we dive right in, we have a special guest today, Lance Grolick. And Lance is the founder of Ion Franchising and a serial franchisee junkie himself. He's built many brands and franchises from the ground up, including Wingstop, where he was a multi-unit franchisee, Krispy Kreme Donuts, where he was a multi-state franchisee, and then completely by himself, Pink Box Donuts in Las Vegas. So welcome, Lance, and please introduce yourself. Well, thank you, ladies. It is absolutely my pleasure to be here with you. And uh, yes, Lance Gralick, I am a been called a serial entrepreneur. I'm sure I've been called worse, but that's not, <laughs> that's not what this show is about. Um, so people always seem to talk to me about, well, they ask the question, how did you become who you are? And I like to take it all the way back. I'm going to be 55 this year. Yeah, we're recording this 55. (laughs) But a long time ago, uh, both of my grandfathers were entrepreneurs. So it's the whole nature versus nurture argument. Uh Is it it your environment that makes somebody an entrepreneur? Well, certainly that can be for sure. But I would like to say in my family, when you look at only entrepreneurs your entire life and wonder why they never have a boss, they work when they want to work. (laughs) <laughs> I kind of like that. I like that schedule. So, but I honestly thought I was going to work on Wall Street for my father's company. And that's what I aspired to do uh, almost my entire uh, life until I did it throughout the summers in high school, did it when I first got out of college, working on a trading desk. And they were the largest over the counter trading house on Wall Street. And then I realized, you know, I think there are other opportunities out there that I'm better suited for. This is kind of boring. You can make a lot of money, and yep. that's wonderful. Yes, you can. But I think I want to do something I rather enjoy more, and I like the people side of things. So I got into the restaurant business. I had another relative that was building a large TGI Fridays franchise on the West Coast. So I left New York, New York City, Long Island, all the areas I was uh, hanging out in and uh, moved way across the country to Arizona. At Phoenix area and helped build a TGI Fridays franchise from four stores that we purchased to over 225 million a year, mainly through acquisitions. Now, ladies, can you imagine 225 million a year in the late 80s? That was when a beer, I think, was about $2.50. Not unhappier. Yeah. So that's that's a lot of product and a lot of uh, lot of business, a lot of lot of potato skins. If you remember TGI Fridays, oh yeah, the good old days. 
So uh, for me, I really knew, although I worked on Wall Street for dad and his company, I, I knew I wanted to be my own boss. I had grandfather that was a real estate attorney and you know, was buying buildings and doing real life monopoly type stuff. And then I had the other grandfather that had his supermarket chain that he built. And he was an immigrant from Poland that I couldn't even understand what he said most of the time. So I'm like, <laughs> well, I have an advantage. I speak English. So, you know, I could take his brain power that I hopefully was given through genetics and my father's and my mom, she was a school principal, super bright. Uh, and I said, let me do this on my own somehow. Mm -hmm. But how do people do things on their own? And, and let's let's kind of set the table here. The reality in entrepreneurship, whether you like it or not, there's really just a few options out there. And what I mean by that is there's a million options, but there's a few major categories. Number one, you have real estate. You have all these real estate investors and buying, you know, real estate, um, you know, rental properties. Whether you're doing fix and flips, buy and holds, what have you. Then you have Wall Street. You know, you can be a day trader, although mm -hmm. dad never advised that. Uh, you know, you, his license plate was blue chip. His other license plate was stock doc. So no go after way. those. Wow. Absolutely. Go after those blue chip companies. Go after those, you know, long-term strategies. You know, if you would have bought Facebook, if you would have bought Amazon at the right time, if you would have bought Tesla at the right time and, and hold it, don't, don't be a crazy day trader. But the third piece of this sort of triad, if you will, is business. Mm -hmm. You can own your own business. Yep. And, and what I learned early on with TGI Fridays, and even before, I wasn't sure, but TGI Fridays solidified it for me. Now, wait a second. I could actually, I could actually do a franchise. Somebody else is up at night figuring all the systems out. And as you mentioned at the top of the show, you know, what is the definition of the fran of a franchise? Use somebody else's name, somebody else's system, trademark, et cetera, something they've worked hard to prove out that it works. And the show is really about marketing as well. And, and, and obviously, they have a name that they can market that people would know and people would gravitate towards mm -hmm. and they want to be associated with. And, you know, they heard it was great in Kansas. Why wouldn't it be great in Phoenix? Mm -hmm. So for me, franchising was a way to really, well, I hate to say it, not work that hard. <laughs> Thank you for being honest. I love the transparency. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, John Asaraf, John Asaraf, I could always, I always butcher his name. He's a big mindset coach. And John Asaraf, he's all over the place. And one of the amazing things that he said and he was a Remax guy. He made a lot of money mm -hmm. as a Remax franchisee, you know, selling real estate. And he loved it. And what he always said is, make it easy on yourself. Mm -hmm. Determine, and I know we're going to dive into this pretty deep, but determine the what. Forget about the how you're going to make money. Forget about the industry you're going to make money. But determine the what based on your resources. You know, and the, and the what is defined as, well, what is your investment level today? How many people out there have bought a house? Well, you don't buy a $2 million house right away, necessarily, unless mm -hmm. you're a child actor star, maybe. <laughs> but you typically get a starter home. Well, it's okay to get a starter business. Yep. So mm -hmm. determining what your investment level is first, what kind of role are you going to play? Are you going to be an owner-operator? 
You're going to be a semi-absentee owner? You know, what kind of lifestyle? I've had people yell to me through the phone, I don't want employees. I want only do a home-based business. So anyway, that's me just kind of throwing it all out there. That's <laughs> the stuff that we have to discuss today, ladies. And I think that's perfect. I think that's a good setup for where we're going to go. And I think you're right. I mean, when you find the business that's right for you, you it is more fun than work. And you do make it easier on yourself. And so with that, we'll jump into finding the right franchise for you or even deciding what part of franchising is right for you to the point of your setup. So the first one here is get clear on why you want to have a franchise. So what is that core motivation? And Lance, you kind of set this up and mentioned this, but you know, why do you want to have the franchise in the first place? And well, getting <laughs> I'm laughing already. Keep oh. going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, what, are you, what are you laughing at me for? <laughs> it's not you. I'm laughing with you, not at you. <laughs> All right. So three things to consider. Are you following a passion? Are you hoping to make a lot of money? Do you eventually want to own multiple franchises and scale from there? They're not necessarily mutually exclusive, right? But it's important to be driven by your why when you do make the decision. So for example, you might love bagels, but it may not be a business that you can make a lot of money on if that's your primary goal. Or on the other hand, an emergency cleaning service could be highly profitable, but it might not be shiny enough for you or a personal passion. So we say sexy. Okay. All right, so we'll bring the sexy back. Okay. All right, we'll bring the sexy back. That's cool. Um, <laughs> so in any case, you know, you really have to think about what is it about the franchise that you want to do and get clear on that. You know, you heard a lot of talk in the upfront about just wanting to be your own boss. That's part of it. But then you have to think about what is the business behind it. In this case, when we think about that three-prong approach or three different options you can have when it comes to business, you got to be more clear than just, I want to be my own boss. And you have to make some of these decisions upfront. And Lance, I know part of your role now, which you haven't really introduced, is to help people figure this out and help them identify really honestly their core motivation. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yes. Thank you very much. So these days, after all of my experiences owning various franchises, franchises, creating my own business, um, businesses, selling my own businesses, I realized that I need to share my story. And one of the best ways to really share my story is to be a franchise broker. Mm -hmm. Most people know what a real estate broker is. And in this case, it's quite similar, except it's for franchises. And by the way, you can avoid a real estate commission by not using an agent. But in the world of franchising, whether you use me or not, you pay the same franchise fee. Mm. So that is good to know. So I am truly a free advocate for anybody looking to find a business, a lot of people don't know it's a franchise, but they want to find a business opportunity for themselves. So many people think that franchising is expensive. They think of McDonald's, as you mentioned, or yeah. restaurants. And you do have to be a millionaire own some of those franchises, but there are tons of franchises under $100,000 where you could put down 25% get financing, especially through the Small Business Administration, and boom, you're in business. So I am a franchise broker. I represent probably more brands than anybody in America, and I help you for free. 
You don't have to worry about not sleeping in the middle of the night and rolling over and hitting your keyboard or your phone <laughs> and having 7,000 people contact you because while you were half asleep and you decided you hated your boss even more than the day before and you want to become your own boss and you start hunting and pecking for the right franchise on Google at one o'clock in the morning and you're giving everybody under the sun your email address and your phone number, well, they're all going to track you till the end of time because, <laughs> because they want your business. Well, yep. I will be that gatekeeper where nobody's going to contact you until you tell me, you, hey, you know what? I'm interested in that brand. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. So let's get to your most immediate question on, you know, why a franchise? And that's very, very easy. The average person does not truly have an idea where they can raise their hand and say, I have an idea that's brilliant and I need to give birth to this brand mm -hmm. or concept. Mark Zuckerberg did it with Facebook. Michael Dell did it with Dell Computer. You know, most people don't have ideas that they're that proud of that they really want to, no matter what, just basically create and do and work hard at all on their own. So franchising is the next best option for the majority of America that truly has no idea what they want to do. And franchising, while there are people that are quite passionate about certain things, I have people all the time that call me and say, Lance, I only want a restaurant. And what do you think I ask first? Well, well, why? Mm -hmm. Well, I heard they make great money. I heard it's a lot of fun. I get to feed my family. Okay, well... Not all those things are exactly true. <laughs> you can certainly feed yep. your family. But the reality is I had a couple recently, the gentleman wanted to do a restaurant and he was on the phone by himself in the first call. And I said, oh, I hear you're married. So what does your wife do? Well, she's an accountant. Oh, she's a, <laughs> is, she a, is she a CPA? In fact, she's a CPA. Okay, great. My immediate thought is exactly why you both laughed. Accountant <laughs> probably doesn't want to do a restaurant. No, she does not. <laughs> so are you open to something else? And they ended up with a restoration concept that is proven, about $180,000 investment, where it's proven you'll net over $350,000 a year. Boom. Just GPA like that. likes that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Done. It was easy once they latched onto that one because it's a fantastic brand. But, you know, it is about getting clear. I need to get people clear on what they want. Some people get way too hung up on what industry, basically, as John Asaraf would say, the how. Don't get too concerned about the how before you figure out the what. Mm -hmm. What is the investment level? It's kind of like looking for a house. Let's get you pre-qualified if you if you want if you want a loan. Let's get you pre-qualified. Let's determine your investment level. What is your role? I had a great gentleman call me not too long ago that said he was going to be the owner operator of a brand, had a lot of money to invest. But guess what? He realized he, in the end he didn't want to leave his job. Mm -hmm. And I said, "Well, it's your choice. There are." Tons of franchises where you can be the owner-operator, which is what your initial intention was. You can also be the investor. I have plenty of semi-absentee type businesses. And that's typically defined as about 10 hours a week. 
mm-hmm. on the business, mm-hmm. but you need to hire a manager. And in some businesses, that manager might have to have some equity. They might have to have some skin in the game. Yep. Fast Signs, for example, very famous, successful franchise that most of the listeners probably have seen somewhere near their house. Fast Signs, you have to be the owner-operator. Mm. And if not, whoever's running it has to have equity, probably at least 10% equity in the business. So defining the what? The lifestyle. I had a guy call me recently that said, uh, I don't want any staff. I want to do something all on my own. I don't want the headache of employees anymore. Uh, I prefer something that fits my lifestyle of a nine to five type business. And guess what? Brands like Schoolie Mitchell I have are fantastic for that. $68,000 investment, home-based. Dennis, the founder of Schoolie Mitchell, former CPA, he realized that basically they're vendor watchdogs. He realized his clients, I mean, we know there's two ways to make more money in a business, right? Number one, you increase revenue. And number two, you decrease expenses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Dennis realized that most of his clients, didn't matter how big or small they were, were never really focused on minimizing their expenses or bidding out certain things. And Dennis created a company that does that for a living. And it's an incredible franchise. There's franchisees that net a million dollars a year on a $68,000 investment. There's a franchisee that sold their franchise. I think the record sale for one of his franchises is 1.6 million off of a $68,000 investment. So, So that is on the what, on the clarity, I love to say clarity is currency. Clarity is currency. Mm -hmm. I need to get you really clear on what you want. Forget about the industry. Tell me what you want. Lance, I hate people. Great. Got it loud and clear. (laughs) Well, (laughs) hate people. So you want a daycare. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, people are, kids are great. People are older people. No, no good. Once they're over 12, they're no good. So I do want to get people really clear on what it is for their lifestyle. People that have worked so many nights and weekends for the first 20, 30 years of their life might want something that is a complete different change due to their kids growing up or whatever it is. So getting them really clear on what it is that they want to do. And then we start diving into the how. Well, and I think that that is a good segue to this next point, which is choose the role you want to play in the franchise. And you mentioned a little bit of this in your commentary, but I think after you become clear on that what, as you call it, and you know the reason that you're doing this, then you do have to define the role that you specifically want to play within the franchise. And so you've mentioned a couple of these situations, right? Like, are you going to be highly active and engaged in the day-to-day? Are you running the show? Are you yes. on the ground manager? Or do you want to be a completely hands-off CEO or board member or investor or just the owner? You know, do you want to be the boss of a team like the guy you just talked about? that wanted no people that's you know kind of the other option you want to be a one-man show um, and and really thinking through that and then 
once you align on that role, I think, you know, this will help you choose the right business and the right company, but also set the expectations clearly in your mind early on that reinforce that what that you decided to do. And then also create your business plan for all the things that come after. So, you know, size comes into effect if you don't want to have employees, right? Location, like your guy that wanted to work at home and, you know, not have to go into the office or all of that racket every day or the nine to five, you know, what are those different things that play a part in the role you will play to create this new reality for yourself? Absolutely. Very well said. It it could be as simple as I have an amazing flooring franchise. It's in the flooring business, obviously. (laughs) And all they do, do, I I just want to make sure you were paying attention. All they do though, All they do is flooring install, Mm -hmm. flooring install only. They Mm -hmm. don't have a warehouse. It's home-based. They work with subcontractors that will learn their system. There's no inventory involved. But the reason I bring this up, first of all, it's only basically a $75,000 investment for one territory. An average franchisee is netting over $214,000 a year on a $75,000 investment. And, and you're doing flooring install. Mm-hmm. That's it. So what the reason I bring this up, there are people that I bring to that franchise and say, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do the sales. Well, mm-hmm. you don't have to do the sales. You can hire somebody to do the sales. And, and, and that comes back to defining the role. Yeah. I lead people into that sort of next position after we get really sort of clear on what it is they want without any emotion attached to it. Don't attach an industry to what you want. What kind of income do you want to make? What kind of income do you have to replace? You know, what kind of bills do you have? Do you have an expensive spouse? (laughs) My first one was quite expensive. That's why she's no longer here. And I have a second one who's amazing. So... (laughs) She we are really like, getting to know Lance today. She looks high maintenance, <laughs> but she is not, which is amazing. <laughs> so, so you know, what is the role that you intend on taking on in your franchise is incredibly important. And here's the good news. It can change. Mm. There are people, I tell people the way I like to do things is I like to get my hands really dirty in the beginning for the first six to eight months sometimes even longer. And then I kind of release. I always make jokes, release, relinquish, rescind, (laughs) you know, let somebody else do some of the everyday things that I don't necessarily normally, I don't have to do anymore. But, but defining roles and responsibilities is crucial and it could absolutely change. It could be part of your business plan, but we're where some future franchisees, you know, a lot of times people ask me, well, are all franchisees successful? And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And But the answer to that question is as simple as name the last restaurant you went to that was a full service type restaurant, whether it was a franchise or a mom and pop. And, and did you have, you know, if you're a regular there, you get to figure out that there's one or two servers that are your favorites. Mm-hmm. And there's a few that if you sit in their station, you're like, oh my gosh, get me out of this station. They're the worst <laughs> server here. Oh yeah. Franchising, well, there you go. Franchising is no different. But you always ask yourself, well, why? 
Well, it's possible that the worst franchisee in a system, whether it's McDonald's or anything for that matter, a home improvement brand, maybe when they came into the franchise, their life was different than it is maybe now, and their role might have changed. I'm not making excuses for them, but the reality is life changes, life happens. Yep. And sometimes people can't take on the full-time responsibility like they intended. And all of a sudden, let's just say the, the wheels fall off the wagon. Yep. But, but understanding what you're getting yourself into, franchising is perfectly, perfectly set up for somebody to have their eyes wide open to really understand what they're getting themselves into. There's a franchise disclosure document that every franchisee gets. It's got 23 items to it. It's disclosing all kinds of helpful information. Most brands even have an earnings claim. An earnings claim might just be sales, might have profitability, might have some sort of P&L. But uh, for example, I have a a well-known staffing brand that has almost 900 locations in the U.S. And they say that a mature office will do over, call it five and a half million in sales. Well, it's pretty incredible on $150,000 investment. Even if you net 10%, you're making $550,000 a year. So, you know, an FDD, the franchise disclosure document, your eyes are wide open to the financial aspects. And then you get further into the process with discovery day, which we can talk about later. And the last piece is the validation step. Those are the things that we'll still get to today. So, Anybody listening can understand there's a system established to the franchise selection process that the brand is going to put you through, but I'm also going to put you through to make sure you make the right selection. In a way, it could be like choosing a spouse, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> I was going to say, whoa, 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 we're, we're going off topic here. But well, I think- choosing a spouse is much harder, trust me. <laughs> Well, and I know, too, as, you know, if people think about the franchise, I know one thing that they're super concerned about, and hopefully you can speak to this, too, is the fact that there seems to be such a lack of workers right now, yeah. um, like way more jobs than, you know, they could seem to find people to fill. Can you speak to, like, how that it's impacting the way that you are guiding people and choosing franchises or what's the overall impact in general with yeah. franchises and in, in, in how people are responding to that? Well, to be perfectly honest, for years, I'm in Las Vegas, and I've heard it for years when people will come into my restaurants and say, you know, how do you find such great people? Mm-hmm. I've always had difficulty finding great people. And I've heard that forever. Now, the reality is, I don't find my, I don't have people find me like Uh, let's just say through Indeed or all these online searches, I like to, through word of mouth, find my team. Mm. And And I believe wholeheartedly in that. And these days, coming through a pandemic where, not to get political, but the reality is it is difficult, which is why you ask the question. It is more difficult to find staff today than it has been in quite quite a long time, if not ever. And really, it comes down to company culture. It comes down to being the employer of choice. In a franchise system, the franchisor obviously becomes aware of whatever the pain points are of the franchisee. Could Mm -hmm. also be, we could also be talking about products today. You know, if you're uh, in certain businesses, it's harder to, you know, commodities, whether it's a restaurant business or 
home improvement and there's certain supplies or steel or lumber. These are issues that we're dealing with today that maybe we haven't dealt with before, but the franchisor takes it upon themselves. Franchisor is corporate and they are taking it upon themselves to come up with better systems on how to hire better, how to attract the right people. So maybe potentially the mom and pop restaurants, if it's a restaurant franchise, are having a harder time. Yeah. And one of the ways, I'll give you an example, you know, uh, in the salon business, as an example, people coming right out of, the, out of school, out of uh, beautician school or cosmetology school, you know, why wouldn't a franchise sort of get in bed with those schools? And the same thing with all the trades. Yep. If there's an air conditioning refrigeration franchise, get those apprentice apprentice I, is that a word? Apprentices, <laughs> apprentices, get them right out of school. So, and get them right into your franchise system with, you know, and, and money is not everything. You know, there are studies upon studies where it's the environment, it's this, it's your supervisor, it's yep. the people you're working with. But then again, a lot of people are just throwing money out there and paying a little bit more. And what happens? We all know what happens. Supply and demand, it's pure, it's simple economics. If you pay people more, then the customer ends up paying more. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's okay. That's what happens these days, sadly. No, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, Anne's was a good question to ask because it is very timely. And, and I think you've just hit on another benefit of being part of a franchise, right? It's not all on you. So mm -hmm. a mom and pop yep. restaurant, it is all on them versus from a franchise standpoint, you get that support. And so I well, think let me let me further uh, put an exclamation point on that exact point you just made too, which is when the pandemic first hit, I had many franchise brands that called their attorney, their CPA, whatever professional experts they have in their corner as a franchisor. And so we're hearing about this PPP money and this economic mm -hmm. income disaster yep. loan money. What can we do? What do you suggest we do? We want to help our franchisees. And there are quite a few brands that rallied their resources together. And before you know it, every one of the franchisees is getting big fat PPP checks. Mm. All because the franchisor used their resources to ensure that they were well taken care of. Pretty incredible. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.